Who were we before shame told us we weren't enough? I asked myself that question four years ago, and I haven't stopped since. You see, shame tells us that we're alone in how we feel, that it doesn't matter what we think or say or believe or how hard we try. Every part of us that feels unfindable, unreachable, unseeable, unlovable has shame in it. And I believe so fervently that there is power in speaking to that shame. So join me as we reclaim the space that shame has taken up. Another day, another episode of Speaking of Shame. I just watched a bunch of Jack Black interviews. It's, I can't help myself, okay? I have very little control over what's happening in my brain right now. But that's fine, because if you know anything about today's guest, he is never one to shy away from an air guitar riff. In fact, I'm sure if you went on his Instagram, you'd probably find one eventually. (laughs) Today's guest is the incredible, phenomenal, fantastic... Mr. Logan Rowe. And I actually only learned his name was Logan, I think literally this year. (laughs) I and so many other people on the internet know him as Mr. Rowe because we know of the Mr. Rowe method, the, the method of intuitive eating, the what sounds good. And because I've known him for years as that, and because I've respected him for years, he's helped me for years. Today's episode was truly an honest gift. It was such a phenomenal conversation to have with Logan. And while we don't discuss much on intuitive eating, you can find all of his intuitive eating content and um, tools on his Instagram, which I've linked down below. Just one click wonder away. Today, though, I talk with Logan about toxic masculinity and about the stigma of being a stay-at-home father and so much more. I'm excited for the support that this episode is going to lend and also for the challenges that it's going to bring, for the ways in which it challenges your thinking. But before we get to that, let me tell you about a little bit about Mr. Rowe, Logan Rowe, so that you know what a phenomenal guest we have on Speaking to Shame. Mr. Rowe, also known as Logan Rowe, (laughs) spent some time in his 20s working at youth treatment centers. After getting his bachelor's degree in English education, he spent the next six years teaching mythology, film lit, and English to ninth graders. He, along with his wife, Tiffany Rowe, is currently focused on raising their hilarious and bright son. In the free time he has, Mr. Rowe teaches individuals and families how to play Dungeons and Dragons, while also putting in the effort to dismantle diet culture, toxic masculinity, gaming stigma, and myths about stay-at-home dads. You can find him on Instagram at Hey Mr. Rowe and The Mindful Gamer. Without any more jibber jabbering for me, <laughs> here he is, the incredible Mr. Logan Rowe. Welcome, Mr. Rowe, to Speaking to Shame. Thank you for being here. I'm so excited. This uh, is awesome. <laughs> I know. My husband and I keep saying, like, every time 
you know, the calendar notification pops up or we're like talking, we'll be like your interview with Mr. Rowe or Logan. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't know your first name until like this year, dude. I didn't even think I never consider that really. And then people (laughs) find out my name and like, oh, Logan. And, and they're like, I feel like I'm like part of some I learned some secret that I'm not supposed to share. (laughs) This is not Fight Club. This is like nothing like that. I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm so used to just not talking about my name and being Mr. Rowe that anytime people learn it. it, Oh, it's it's so great. It feels like, um, you know, after you graduate and your teacher's like, call me Paul or call me Sue. And you're like, I could not. You're going to be Mr. and Mrs. So-and-so forever. Like, it feels that way. And I think that's where it comes from because I I was a teacher for Mm. so long. I'm just very used to being called Mr. Rowe because I was called that by, you know, 160 kids every year. Yeah. Uh, Well, while you're talking about yourself, you were a teacher. Will you tell us more about who Mr. Rowe is? Oh, sure. Um, (laughs) uh, I grew up in national parks my whole life. Um, I spent most of my life in Yosemite. And uh, after after living in the sticks for so long, moved out to Utah, um, did a few things, uh, worked at a bank for a moment, which is not (laughs) not fun. Um, And then I got into um, working at treatment centers. And that was my first introduction into what it was like talking with teenagers about like how they feel mm, their feels and, and yeah. like what they're going through. And a mm. lot of these kids are in very bad situations and struggling. Mm. So it was like, let's break it down and learn. Right. Um, and that was kind of the beginning of this world of, I think I like talking with kids and mm. working with them. And so when my wife, Tiffany was like, you love English as well, and you love mm. books. Like, why don't you become a teacher? Yeah, and it just all kind of clicked. I was like, <laughs> oh yeah, oh, yeah, I totally. like kids, and I like English and reading and learning. That seems like a great combination. Yeah. So, went to school, got my degree in English education, and just started teaching and 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 loving it. I really did. Mm. I really did love it, and I it I loved creating a classroom that was more than just an English classroom. Mm. Um, we did mindfulness activities in I there. Love that. Um, we did affirmations um, mm. because school is so much more than just learning. Right. It, is where, it is the hub where children live yes. for most of their day for right. most of the year. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was all about like safe space and let these kids mm. be allowed to like feel whatever they need to feel. Um, and that, I think it, it just fostered a very cool environment. Yeah. And then there's the whole, you know, schools, uh, are rough and yeah. is demanded on yep. me. And, and eventually it came down to, I was just putting way too much time and effort mm. and work into, into teaching. Yeah. And we just were like, what, what works for our family with, mm-hmm. with our, our son coming into the world and figuring out like who's going to watch him. And, and so then we shifted from me being, you know, the, the provider and teaching to me being the, the stay at home dad, mm. which was another big, like, right. A shift. Now I'm like, okay, like yeah. I'm taking on a, a very, very opposite gender norm mm. role right now, yes. especially in, in Utah County, <laughs> a lot of like 
conservative <laughs> traditionalism. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and that has been an interesting process and journey for me. Mm. I will totally admit that there's like been some ego checking for myself yeah. in that. Um, but I do think that I, I kind of have been primed um, because of my love of kids and being around kids and, and never really being the stereotypical man mm, right, or right. society might say. Yeah. Um, so, so I, I love, uh, waking up and just like being with our son and, mm. you know, teaching him things and taking him to school. And, you know, I take care of the dogs and, and it's just like, it's a very fulfilling <laughs> Bosco. Yes. <laughs> Team and Bosco. Otis and Lola. All yes. Of I love Otis. Gremlins. <laughs> um, and so, uh, that's, that's where we kind of are right now. Uh, he's about to start school in kindergarten and he's going to have a lot Mm. more uh, time there, which gives me a lot more time. So now my head's like, what else am I going to do? What what do I get to do? What can I, what can I fill my time with? Yeah. 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 I love this. Um, so many things. One, you said the word cool, like three times and that's like, just you, like you're, you just feel cool. And not like, (laughs) not like growing up in the, you know, nineties, like too cool for school. Cool. But just like, cool. You're just like a cool, refreshing person to spend time with. Thank you. And also you share parenting content. It's so refreshing. My husband, just before we started the interview, hopped on and totally fan personed for you <laughs> because like you share, like um, you were at the park the other day with mini row and mm-hmm. you like, were at like story time. And I think, correct me if I'm wrong, but were you the only father there? I am most often the only man there. Right. There's been a couple other times where one other father figure right. is present um but it, it it it's so interesting that you've i had i haven't thought about it until you just said that um he always kind of stands aloof mm. and like he's like i i brought <laughs> i brought the umbrellas and like yes. that was my contribution. <laughs> contribution and i'm sitting on the ground with the kids i like da, 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 da. yes and it's and yeah it's a very different yeah Yes. Well, and I think that speaks to your background. Like here you are talking about, you know, kind of this year's long journey with realizing that you do love spending time with kids and you enjoy, you know, feeling your full range of emotions and talking about mindfulness and being a safe person. Um, Let's make all those things cool, by the way. Yes, absolutely. I love I love following you on Instagram. That's where I'm that's where I'm pretty sure that's where you mostly show up on the interwebs. Yeah. Um, and I love just seeing your take on parenthood, like how like unabashedly supportive you are of mini row. Like it's, it's beautiful. And it's, it's been a really like a wake up call for me to be like, why can't more dads be like that? You know, like, why is it, why does it seem to be like more of the mom's job? You know what I'm saying? Like, I think, I think there are a lot of dads out there mm -hmm. that, that are like that, but unfortunately it's my belief because it's been my experience uh, you look at media you look at hollywood you look at society um a lot of times men have just never really been given the chance mm, you know like right. how many how many how many stereotypical dads media men are like these bumbling idiots when it comes to like yes. taking care of kids like they don't know what they're doing. They like don't know daddy how to, daycare. Yeah, they don't know how to feed the kids. They don't know how to dress them. Like it's just a mess. It's mm. uh and I I feel 
bad that that is what's right. projected on men from the very beginning. And so they're, they're kicking against the pricks like the, the whole time. Right. And so, so maybe there are men like that, that want to be like that, but they don't feel like they should, they or should they're not allowed yeah. to. Oh, that's like, so true. I, I can't be this like great. I dress up my kids and cook them meals and make them cute little snacks because that's not <laughs> yes. what a man does. Like mm. I go to work and right. it's just, it's slay the dragons. Right. Right. Which is so, again, I, I think the patriarchy hurts everyone. The gender norms of mothers and fathers roles. They hurt I, as a mom. I've definitely, there are things, there are things that I have had to do, alone because it was like the mother's journey or the mother's job. Mm. And as you know, time has gone by and we've been exposed to you and some other really incredible um, people who have helped show me and my husband and my family that we can do things differently. But it's like, I feel like, you know, when you see it done by so many people around you, it's almost like, oh, well, that's, that's how it's done then, you know, when everybody mm. or most everybody around you is following this pattern of, uh, I guess mom's in the home or mom's more in charge of the kids yeah. and dad's is the bumbling struggling with kids. It's so, and I know that obviously every, every city, every country, every place is going to handle this differently because culture is a mm. vastly right different thing, depending on location right. and upbringing. Um, but I, I know I, I speak with moms as I am, prone to do it because that's who I'm around a lot of yes. times. And um, one mom who works, uh, mm. she was telling me that the, the main question she's always asked is, well, who's watching the kids? Mm, yes. Which is very interesting. Yes. Yeah. Right. And, like, oh my gosh. I yeah, just like my right? whole body resonated with that. Like yes. whenever I'm out and about and somebody I know sees me, like, where, where, are, the, where are the kids at? What, right. I didn't leave them home taped to the couch watching Bluey like they're with someone. Yeah. You know? And I was sharing with her uh, the opposite of that is when I am talking and, and I'm like, yeah, I, I stay at home. I watch I watch mm. our kid. Uh, the biggest question that comes up is, is it hard? Like, oh. Oh. And I'm like, oh, you don't understand how deep that cuts when you just yes. automatically assume it must be. Yep. And yeah, right. There was uh, another woman um, who said she was talking about. She was talking to her friend mm -hmm. whose husband watched the kids, and uh, she said he is a great father, but not a very great mother. And I'm like, what does that even uh, mean? What does that right? mean? Like, what are these things um, that we attach to a mom and a dad and a man yes. and a woman? And and it was just that was fascinating that you, oh, like he's a great painfully father, fascinating. Yeah, it <laughs> yes. is like I I would love to spend more time really understanding it, but I mean that would take a years. Yeah, <laughs> it's so interesting too because. You know, I, I feel like that's part of this whole, um, mixing bowl of shame is like when somebody breaks the status quo, 
we we automatically think like it had to be because of this horrible thing like is it hard you know are people making up stories about where mom is like when you're when you're out and about with mini row or do you i wonder if people comment on your instagram or if you ever encounter um i guess like people being uncomfortable with how comfortable you are with like breaking the status quo i guess and like mm. being shameless about it you know mm. uh well, man, I don't know how much I'm like allowed to just like divulge things. And, and, like, <laughs> However much you're comfortable. Um, I have been branded gay a lot, mm. like, which is another fascinating thing. Right. Painfully he's, fascinating. Like, he's so comfortable and <sighs> like, and sweet with, with kids. emotions. Like, yes. like is, is he? Oh. I'm like, that, like, what is that saying? Right. What is that saying? Like. Say it to my face. Say it with your full chest, Patricia. What are you uh, trying to say to me? You know, I I love the. Ah, dang it, I forgot who. Um, he's a he's a a a UFC fighter. Um, strong. Mm. Uh, oh, is it the video he Patty. shared with you? Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. It um, went viral. I I love like you can be a strong man. You could literally be a UFC, UFC fighter, fighter. Yeah. and you can talk about how it's okay to have emotions mm. and to be vulnerable and to share that yes. with people and to find help if you need help and to talk about how you're feeling. And I love that he got so much uh, support for that. Yes. And, and like it went viral in a, mm -hmm. in a wonderful way, yes. not in a like, Oh, look at yeah. this pansy. Look at this. It like it right. went because I've seen it go the other way oh, as well. Sure. And, and I feel like we, we need more examples of, of that because I feel like that is what's really going to create some cognitive dissonance for a lot of these mm, boys and men that think right. you can't be strong and yes. emotional. That that's a contradiction. You mm. can't be both. And I'm like, look at this guy. Yeah. He's a UFC <laughs> fighter. Crap out of you. <laughs> yes. and he's also like, it's good to cry. Yeah. And I loved what he said too about, you know, you know, he, I don't know if he said directly, like check on your friends, but he, he said something like, I would rather you come to me and tell me you're struggling than attend your funeral. Right. And granted, right. not every case is that um, permanent, but I just think of how many times men in my life that I know personally have really been going through it and have just like, it's like, a pillar of strength and courage if they don't talk about it, like if they don't yes. let it bring them yes. down, like if they just keep going. So that was my grandfather and my, my father's mm. way of life. Um, love my dad to death. He is mm. a wonderful, wonderful man. Um, he's not going to hear this podcast. So I can <laughs> yes. <laughs> he, uh, he grew up in a household where it was all about you pull yourself up by your mm. bootstraps. Um, emotions are not needed because what is needed is hard work. Mm. And, and I didn't realize this as a boy that my father never showed me real affection, mm. that it was a painful struggle for my father to say, I love you. And yes. And it wasn't until 
my grandpa, who was even more so, we're talking mm. World War II, grew up yeah. in the Great Depression, times were tough. Mm. Um, but when my grandfather passed away, something started to change in my dad. Mm. Um, and he, I could see he was like, I yeah. need to work on some things. Yeah. Um, and it was still a struggle for him. And, and I think even to this day, it is at times. But for me, I, I did, I, I promised myself and I devoted myself that I would not live my life with my son, not knowing I loved him. Mm. And, and it's great that he was a wonderful provider. He worked, he worked his butt off. I mean, there were right. eight kids in my family. He was, yeah, constantly he was a working. hard worker. Yeah. Um, but it was a very distant and stoic work work. And, and I know that he was struggling because he has come mm. forward with that over the years as I've grown yeah. up. And, um, and so it was this pillar. It, it's, it's almost like I will, I will rely on my pain as, as a yes. that I keep within. And the, right. if I could still push with this kind of pain, then that really makes me a man. Yes. And, and I, I was talking about this not too long ago um, from one of um, Tiffany's posts on, on her Instagram that for me, um, I've always been very good at being emotional. I did mm. drama. I did theater. Like <laughs> I tears, tears were not an issue yeah. for me, but um, I mean, I cry at Disney movies. I cry. Oh, I books. love I, that. Oh, so Harry much. Potter moments. I would just be <laughs> sobbing. Yes. Um, and I never realized that crying was actually a very wonderful tool to heal. Mm. Um, it was always just like, yeah, I could cry if I need yeah, to. Um, right. But I was like, no, actually we need to cry. Yeah. It, it heals us. It, mm. and, and that was something that, that I never really saw in my father. Yeah. I definitely didn't see in my grandfather. And I don't see in many, many men out there that still think like that is a sign of weakness. Right. And, and we cannot be weak. You know, if we are weak, we are then ridiculed. Right. And yeah, yes, it's, it's like, it's like this protective measure to not be hurt more. Mm-hmm. And and it's mm-hmm. devastating. So going back to what you shared about your son, knowing that you loved him, just beautiful, got goosebumps. Um, what are some ways in which you, uh, I guess, I don't want to say break the cycle. Maybe that's too much. Maybe it's not mm-hmm. too much. But what are some ways in which you do what you weren't modeled as a child and, and that you show your son, you love him and you show your emotions? Um, awesome. Yeah. Uh, one very easy one. I tell him every single day. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I, I could probably literally count on one hand the amount of times my dad mm-hmm. told you he loved said you. He loved me. Mm-hmm. Um, just hearing that as a kid mm. and knowing that they are thinking that and that they are comfortable enough to say that in front of me, yeah. like how, how reassuring and how, how comforting it is, like how safe when right. you know they, they love me and they say it. And then to back that up, um, physical touch, I hug him, I carry mm, him, I, yeah. I play with him. Um, which was another thing I think many dads might struggle with. Not all. There's a, not all. Yeah. 
millions of wonderful sure. fathers out there. I do not want to sound like I'm I'm bashing on men. No, no. But it's I am bashing on the toxic masculinity that so many men are yes. taught. Yes. Um, where just like saying I love you um, or crying is a sign of weakness, showing affection like a hug mm. or or is is also seen as weakness. Like right. Uh, it it breaks my heart that yeah. men could think that if I if I'm hugging this other man, other people might say something. Mm. You know, homophobia. Yeah. You know, let's just like let's get rid of that. Please. Right. Like that barber, the video of the barber you shared. Every time this guy's like giving people haircuts and he kisses them on the forehead. And it looks like he asks them first. Like he yeah, always Yeah, I'm sure that they probably know each other to yeah. some extent. Like, oh, he's been my barber for some time. I don't he, I don't think he's just like he's kissing, kissing random strangers. Guys. Yeah. yeah. But every single guy laughed. Did you see that? Yeah, yeah. Like some of them kind of were like, what is going on? But then they started laughing. Yeah. And that was so beautiful to see and so healing just because I don't know that's just not something you see very often like it's it's not modeled and to see men showing affection without making it about uh sexuality or making it toxic and making fun of people you know without the shame and the stigma with just men showing affection like that is healing that's potent like I wonder if we ask the question what would your life have been like to all the people who have dads like ours who didn't say I love you very often, um, what would our lives be like if they had said I love you more? Like if they had shown mm-hmm. it, like you're saying, you tell Minnie Rowe you love him, you play with him, you hug him. You know, mm-hmm. I just wonder um, what our lives would look like, what what conversations we would be having if 50 years ago the conversations that we're having now were being talked about then, you know, mm-hmm. and it wasn't just a rare exception mm-hmm. of a man back then, you know. Yeah, I, it would be a very, very different world. I, mm. I truly believe that. And the radical side of toxic masculine men would say, yeah, it would be a different world. It, it would be horrible. It would be all these pansies running around. Like it's, it's, it's a, yeah. it's, it's deep. It is very deep. And there's a lot of fear yeah. involved with it. There's a lot of that ridicule and, I think so many men would be emotional and would be more forthcoming with their feelings and and sharing their feelings and even supporting other men going through hard times if it wasn't for the fear that they think will come from Mm, everyone else. Um, I I just so recently was talking about toxic masculinity and for a moment there, I got bombarded in my comments of men oh yeah you shared the comments absolutely sharing exactly what i was talking about like wouldn't it be great if men could just be (laughs) emotional and men come in and like and i'm like thank you for proving the point (laughs) thank you so much this is why it's hard this is why it's hard this is why we're having these conversations i couldn't have paid money for like a better (laughs) evidence of it yes like you just proved it um yeah no i remember i responded to Oh man, I'm trying. I'm looking through our um, Instagram chat right now and I can't find it. But one of their comments just sent me. I was dying of laughter because the way that he was trying to insult you 
And it just, again, it just proved your point, but your responses were so funny. Like, because I, I, again, toxic masculinity is like, if anybody threatens you, you're big mad, you know, you're big mad, man. You feel right. mad. You intimidate and you were laughing. I mean, you weren't just letting them walk all over you. You were setting boundaries and being like, Hey, this is not okay. But I just, again, like you circled back to the point, you know, like went all the way around and circled back. And it was such an incredible thing to see an example of. Like, yeah. hey, we can we can talk about things without like being rude to each other, you know? Yeah. It's wow, we could actually have a conversation where everything is not about a <laughs> <Yes>. penis <laughs> or yes. everything is not about like having to beat someone up or like yes. show your dominance. Ah uh, yes, 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 yes. Amen and amen. Um, it's so interesting too, because so I, my one of my biggest one of the biggest things I want to talk to you about is inner child work. But as we're talking about toxic masculinity, um, just hypothetically speaking, do you think if more, more men were supported and encouraged to do inner child work, do you think there would be some healing from this toxic masculinity or some changing of this idea that men have to be this certain way or unless they're, or they're, or else they're not men? Yes. Um, I strongly believe that the men that are the biggest perpetuators of toxic masculinity, that was something that was ingrained in them at a young mm, age. Right. Um, and it, it, I'm not even saying at a young age, they were taught all about, you know, how no, to live this. Yeah. it could have just been that they were never loved or never right. felt loved. Right. And and so they grew up needing to protect themselves, needing to take care of themselves. And then they are now in a very uh what's the word I'm looking for? Their minds are very malleable for someone mm. who is charismatic and cool and tough to then take them in and be like, This is how you should mm. be. This yes. is the way to be. Like and Which so we see it all just, the time. We see all the time. Um, I mean, it's <sighs> there are so many things in the world that are problems because of they were never addressed or dealt with in childhood. Mm, yes. Like and, we're all little hurt kids walking around in big kids' uh, bodies. Yes. Um, so much pain that we carry as adults were wounds inflicted in childhood mm. and one uh, as as tiffany would always say like therapy is cool yes <laughs> therapy yes. is cool yeah um, i everyone everyone needs therapy especially mm. in today's world like right things are just look at we're the way bombarded like, everyone would benefit from being able to talk about what's hard and what they're struggling mm. with Right. And inner child work is just one of those methods of kind of letting that out and, and, and finding peace mm. and finding, finding what it was that you were hurt or, or lacking or neglected at a young age, and then give it to yourself now. Mm, yeah. That was so much of what I was, was, uh, there was a lot of, of neglect of love. And so then I could look at, at little me, at little Logan, and just say, like, I love you. Mm. And it's, 
it definitely makes it easier when I have a son who looks just like me. Yes, he really does. It's eerie. <laughs> so it's when I, this is just not somewhat existential. When I tell, <laughs> when I tell Minnie Rowe how much I love him, there's a little sliver of that that's selfish because uh, it's like I'm telling myself yes. and I'm telling, like, I'm giving you what I didn't always have. Um, and so it, it just, it makes the world a difference. Um, healing that little boy or girl or whoever that we have inside and, and give them what they need that they have not, they've not been given. They didn't have mm. the opportunity or they were, uh, you know, it was, it was stolen from them and, and they need healing. Right. That's powerful. It's powerful to see. And in my own inner child work as well, it's powerful to experience, first of all, this, like, it's, it's almost like you can feel the cycle breaking or the habits having less of an ingrained path in us, the hurt having less power as we do this work, as we love little us, you know, as you say, I love you to mini row and, and little row, little Logan gets to Mm go. He loves me. I'm loved. Mm -hmm. I'm safe. You know? And, uh, you know, I just think we would have a happier, more peaceful world. If everybody could give a little bit of that love to themselves, if we weren't all just like hurting each other. And walking around. And uh, Tiffany takes it one step further. Um, this is kind of their thing that that Minnie Rowe and, and T do. Um, they do affirmation cards. So at a very yeah. young age, I think he started at two, she was doing affirmation cards with him and having this little two-year-old repeat, I'm mm, lovable, yes. I am safe, I'm smart, and just building up this self-love and confidence and then the security that comes from that so now as you know hopefully what what we plan and what we expect is as he is growing into this younger uh beautiful young man Mm -hmm. that he won't have to be reactive Mm -hmm. to you know bullies or people saying hurtful things because Mm -hmm. he knows he's loved and he knows he has all of this power and all of this capability instead of I am a scared sheltered. I don't know what to do because I've never been taught. And, Mm. and it's, it's just, it's so much of it comes from, from that childhood experience. Right. Um, Speaking of like things you do with mini row, what are some things that you do in your home personally as a parent to help yourself and him experience emotion, the full range of emotions. How do you make emotions safe? How do you not stigmatize yeah. them? Um, so I was at uh, the park. This was sometime last year, but it goes to show how much it stuck with me. <laughs> yeah. Um, there was a boy crying mm-hmm. and um, the dad, I'm assuming the, the, male guardian that was watching over this boy um i was sitting on the bench next to him and i could hear everything that they were saying and he said to the boy stop crying we don't do that Mm. we don't need that and i thought about that long and hard because when when my boy cries you let him cry what what is 
I think about like what kind of mental impact that can have for a child that is crying and then be told what you're doing is not right mm-hmm. and how, how hurtful that could be. Cause now yeah. they're experiencing a very raw right. emotion and now that raw emotion they're being told is not right. Mm. And so then they have to try and figure out what else is. And so maybe now it turns to anger or it turns right. to bottling up and like, okay, no longer crying period understood loud and clear emotions, bad. Yep. Um, so with, with our son, when he cries, we're always about like, talk us through it. Like, why do you think you're feeling this way? Like mm. what, like, how does it feel in your stomach? Yeah. Like, where does it feel like, in your like, body? Where, where is it in your body? Mm-hmm. And we let him like, Oh, it, it must be so, so much emotion. I was told something um, not too long ago, and man, it is such great parenting advice. Um, it's our job as parents to set boundaries. It's children's jobs. It's their responsibility to challenge boundaries mm, and feel yes. good feelings. And that's as soon so as true. I heard that, I was like, oh my gosh, that's genius. Yes. Kids are, kids are meant to challenge boundaries, and they are meant to feel big emotions. Mm. Um, and that goes... Uh, you know, even teenagers, right? It's, it's, it's what kids <laughs> yes. are doing. Right. So the last thing that we want to do with a kid who's feeling a big emotion is to say, stop that. Um, Don't do that. Cause it just confuses them. Right. So we always talk like, let's process through it. And anytime he cries, we let him do the crying. And then afterwards we, we process. Yeah. Uh, how did that feel? Like, how do you feel now? Yeah. Why do you think you felt that way? What, what could we do? It's just a lot of talking and you might think, Oh, that's, but they're so little, like they're smart. Kids are smart. And they could start learning these things at a young age. And they take parents cues too. Like if they see parent, if they see parents walking them through these big emotions and they feel safe, Mm -hmm. like, Oh, mom and dad don't yell or parents don't fight me, or I'm not in trouble when I feel this big thing. And we talk about it and I get to feel it from beginning to end, like the emotion gets a completion Mm -hmm. and then I can go on about my day and figure stuff out. That models such resiliency, that models such intuitiveness, like the ability that I am 20, almost 28 years old. And I'm just now learning how to recognize where emotions sit in my body. Mm. Like that shit is potent to Mm. understand as an adult. It's like, I'm learning a whole new language, you know? And it's such a great thing that our kids will hopefully, like you said, we hope we expect that as they grow, they'll have access to this language much quicker, much safer, much, uh, much more effectively than we did, you know? Yeah. And yeah. We, I think, um, in addition to the crying, like, like you got to teach them coping skills, Mm -hmm. you know, breathing techniques, rubbing their hands on their thighs, like, 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 pound on the ground or stomp your feet. Like let, yeah. let yourself get some of that energy out. Um, and it's, it's so much of, of my childhood was just like, we don't cry. Like, yes, don't do we don't that. talk about Bruno. And that's it. And that's it. Like, yeah. what, uh, what am I supposed <laughs> to do then? Like, right. Like I feel you're not, this feeling. You're not giving me anything else to do. You're just mm-hmm. telling me not to do this. And so I don't know what to do. I guess I'll just like go run out in the forest and be by myself. Right. Well, and if kids job is to challenge boundaries, then when we tell, when we, when the only boundary we give them is all the things they shouldn't do and all the ways that they shouldn't do that thing, if they're going to challenge it, then they're going to challenge the one thing we've 
given them to do, you know, mm-hmm. and, and that creates, I think, more rebellious resentment and t- tumult um, yeah. within us. It's so interesting as you talk about emotions and just like physically moving the emotions through your body. Um, I don't think I've ever seen an adult other than dancing. I don't ever think I've seen an adult do that. And I'm thinking to myself, like out and about, I guess, like I've, I've stimulated my vagus nerve, like by belly breathing or rubbing my hands together. But like, what would it be like if, if instead of when two dudes get mad at each other in a parking lot, instead of fighting each other, what if they like rub their hands? I feel a big feeling. (laughs) Oh my goodness. Uh, I I mean, the world would be just a little bit more comical as well. (laughs) Yes. Like gentle I, parenting each other, <laughs> but I've, I've been at the gym and, and I might have gone into the gym with, you know, something on my mind or something aggravating me or annoying me and just moving my body, starting to sweat a bit, lifting yeah. weights. And I will feel that emotion kind of starting oh, to come out. That's so I've, cool. I've literally cried on like a, a, a treadmill just because <laughs> like. And I'm like, I don't even feel sad right now. I think it's really it's good workout. my body is expelling. Yeah. So I look over at the bro next to me. I'm like, oh man, oh, those calves, like they're killing me. Yeah. <laughs> like, I don't know, but it's, I think That's just so moving your body and, and finding other ways. It's, you know, we all need new coping skills. Right. There's a lot out there. Absolutely. Um, Logan, what would you tell, I mean, granted, you probably say this to mini row often, but what would you tell little Logan? If you could go sit with him now, what would you share with him and how would you help him? Dang, man. (laughs) Damn, hard question. Good. Feel Uh, all the emotions. I I think for children that have been emotionally neglected, which which is its own form of of abuse mm. if we're going to get right down to it yes um i i didn't feel very safe or loved growing growing up mm. i knew i was loved but like really loved like right seen, right seen and understood um and i feel like if i could just sit down with with little logan it would be like you're great like you're a wonderful kid and like put my arm over him like yeah. you're totally safe you could say whatever you want do whatever you want like you're safe because mm. that's every kid wants to know that they they will be protected you know right we literally call parents guardians yes guardians kids want to be safe so that's what I would I would want to be let him know that I'm his I'm his personal guardian mm. and he's nothing could get to him because it has to go through me. Again, full body chills. That's beautiful. That's healing. Um thank you for what you do. Thank you for sharing. Thank you for showing up. Thanks for having all the emotions, feeling all the emotions. <laughs> You're welcome. Um, where can we find you? Um, Hey, Mr. Rowe, uh, on Instagram. That's, that's just kind of my, my niche right now. Yeah. That's, that's where I like to be. We'll see how things 
look in the future. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm thinking of um, getting into the published book world. Uh, and <gasps> yes, so yes, I remember you mentioning <laughs> that. Yeah. And now with more time on my hands, we'll, we'll yeah. see what happens in the next so couple of cool. years. Yeah, and you're starting a book club too. I joined. Yeah, well, I yeah, said I'll yeah. join. I can't wait to join. It's it's the English teacher, you know, <laughs> know. itching me. Like, oh yes. man, I want to start talking books. We gotta have and... a discussion about the pros. <laughs> yes. So very excited about that. Oh well, thank you so much, Mr. Logan Rowe. I am just thank so you. honored that you thank spent time you. with us. Wow. What a discussion. Even though I was there for that talk when it happened, and I've been there, I've been here for a lot longer since. This was a few months ago that we recorded this, and I've edited edited it now. I still get goosebumps when I'm listening to that conversation. Thank you again, Mr. Rowe, for the work you're doing and for the ways in which you're showing up. And to you, you incredible human being who's listening to this right now, I hope that you felt supported today. You can find Mr. Rowe's info down below. You can also find my info down below. Please find us and connect with us. We're out here showing up, doing the work that we can do to help people and break stigmas and speak to shame and heal together. And what a gift it is. I'm Emily Stearman, and this is Speaking to Shame. Oh, it's me again. (laughs) Hi, it's Emily Stearman, and I'm back. (laughs) Back again. There are no words. I don't have them. In fact, you heard me right then. I went, there are, uh, and it's like the oxygen cut out because I can't describe to you what it means to me that I get to spend time with you each week and share tools and support and empathy and validation and education and humor and just, hey, you're not alone in this thing called life where we're healing and trying to figure out our shit and also, by the way, drink enough water. You know, it's a lot to do. And it is a true gift and honor that I get to do it with you and that I get to share it with you. Speaking to shame has grown and become more powerful and unique and vibrant and rich than I ever thought possible. And it's because of you. It's because of me. It's because of the guests that we are honored to hear from each week. It's because we've come together and said, hey, this thing called healing and this thing called shame and this mental health awareness is something to invest time into and effort into. As I support you and as the guests support you, there are things you can do to support us back. So the first thing you can do is share the episodes of Speaking to Shame that found you and reminded you that you are not alone. Find the guests who are on Speaking to Shame interact with them on social media, share their messaging and their teaching and their tools and their who they are on social media. Let them know how grateful you are for the time that they took out of their day to speak with us about shame. The next thing you can do is leave a review of Speaking to Shame on either Audible or Apple Podcasts. Reviews help so much. I can't accurately describe how meaningful it is to have reviews, to have feedback, because not only does it help other people know whether or not speaking to shame is for them, but it also helps me know what I can do to continue to support you and how I can make things better, more improved, stronger, cooler, better, faster, stronger. (laughs) And the last thing that you can do to support speaking to shame is donate. Every single episode, there is countless time that goes into production creation, and then the sharing of. 
and I am just one person. So if you are someone who can donate, the link to donate is down below. Just scroll a little bit. Boop, boop, boop. There you go. You found it. Look at you. Look at you finding the donate link. I would be just so grateful if you did any of these things. I'm so grateful that you're here listening. What an honor it is. What a gift it is to be a tiny sliver, a part, a piece of this thing called healing and collective growth and enlightenment and calling out these cycles that have hurt us and saying, hey, wait, there has to be a better way. Let me find a better way. Let me share a better way. And I'm honored to be able to do that. Thank you for being here and showing up as your authentic self. And thank you for including me in that. I'm Emily Stearman, and this is Speaking to Shame. I can't wait to rediscover who we were before shame told us we weren't enough. I can't wait to find those parts of us that are so deserving of healing, the parts of us that feel unfindable and unlovable, and remind them that shame is not the truth. 